listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're in the middle of this series, Total Victory Over Discouragement, Anxiety, and Heaviness. And uh, if you missed yesterday, man, you need to go back and watch that broadcast. This is going to be a powerful week. It already started that way. And... um, I said yesterday, this is a week of uh, impartation. You're going to finish this week uh, filled with the spirit of faith, filled with the spirit of faith. And um, whatever harassed you previously is loosing its grip and letting you go. And that's why um, I felt to do this this week. It's it's by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Again, um, I'm getting all kinds of messages on uh, text and in the comments and on Instagram, people saying, man, you don't know how much I needed this series. Again, <clears throat> that's how the Holy Spirit leads. Amen. Um, hey, Jen Puma, we love you and John. I want to just say a couple of things before we jump into this word today. And I got a, I got a word for you that's going to, I'm going to actually, I'll tell you what we're going to do. <clears throat> I'm going to show you the true power behind um the victory tribe today. And it's going to really, it's going to shake you up in a good way. Um, give you a greater understanding of what we're talking about and who you are. It's part of your identity if you're connected to this ministry, but God does everything. We, we, we started yesterday, Scott Daniels made it. Um, we started yesterday and talked about, um, the first element that allows us to walk in total victory over discouragement, anxiety, and, um, heaviness, we talked about the power of prayer, not just prayer in your known language, but we spent a bunch of time talking about praying in the Holy ghost, praying in the Holy ghost. And so if you missed that, go back and watch it. But prayer is such a powerful element. God's given it to us, not just as a tool, but truly as a weapon. And as I covered yesterday, as a shield that guards your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. And so prayer is not just a tool. It is a weapon and a shield at the same time. If you missed it, go back. But the reason I'm mentioning that is because tonight we are back in prayer together on the Miracle Word prayer teams. And if you've not signed up, I want to see you there. Men, I want to see you in the men's group. Ladies, we want to see you in the ladies group. You can go to miracleword.com and forward slash prayer team. Join, be a part of this. People thought, you know, do I have to be a part of the church? Do I have to, uh, you know, live there? No, this is for everybody connected to this ministry that's believing God for uh, miracles. And um, so we're praying. We're praying for your family, your region, and uh, it's going to be powerful. So tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern time, uh, we're back in prayer again every Tuesday night. And uh, unless I'm in a revival, I'm always there. And um, even if I'm in a revival, I like to jump on for the first uh, maybe 10 minutes to 15 minutes of it before I go into the service because I love and value that power of prayer. And we've got amazing people joining us every week in prayer. And so I want you to be there, jump on with us. Um, we're having testimonies every week. It's amazing. God's answering prayers so quickly that every week is testimonies. Somebody asked in the comments if I know evangelist Ankit Rambabu, 
And I do. And he's got the tent up right now in Lakeland, Florida. And if you can get there and you're around that area, you need to get there because it's going to be a powerful meeting. It's already started as a very powerful meeting. So uh, God's using him to, to touch that area. And <clears throat> God brought him here, I believe, from India, and he's doing a wonderful job. God's using him uh, to touch America. And so um, that's number one. Number two, and I'll mention this again at the end, but I, I could not be more excited about what's getting ready to happen than I am right now. You're welcome, Nicholas. Um, we are getting ready to jump into something brand new for Bible study made simple. And uh, we've never gotten to this part of it yet, but we're getting ready to start. First of all, we're reopening the course uh, in just really a few days. Today's the 11th. And uh, if you want to be a part of this, we're doing something now, a new series in Bible study made simple that's entitled supercharge or supercharging your devotions supercharging your devotions. Now, the reason I'm so excited about this, and by the way, the new semester opens April the 17th. So we're six days away from the reopening of Bible Study Made Simple and is only going to stay open through the 23rd. And if you want to join the wait list to be notified as soon as it opens, because once it closes, you can't get in. Go to bible.miracleword.com. bible.miracleword.com. Supercharging your devotions. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, one of the main reasons we started uh, Bible study made simple is because many people have asked the question, you know, I don't know what to do. What should I do as I start reading the Bible, studying the Bible? What are the best ways to study the Bible? And so we've kind of taught how hermeneutics works. That's how you properly study the Bible. Then we did a book study, and we studied the book of Galatians. I taught you how to study a book of the Bible. Then we just finished a character study or a biographical study of David, and I showed you how to study a person in the Bible. But I believe this is going to be so impactful, we're getting ready to start, supercharging your devotions. You say, why? So many people have asked me, like, Pastor Ted, what do you do like when you're studying the Bible on a daily basis or when you're reading uh, just for your, not to study for a message or to study to preach? but just for your own personal devotions. How do you go about that? What's the best way? How do you get the most out of the word of God as you're studying it in a devotional way? And that's what this new series is going to be about and what we're gonna cover. I'm gonna give you tons of free tools. I'm gonna show you how I would go about it. I'll even share my screen with you and show you how, if I'm on my laptop or my iPad, how I'm going through and uh, reading and studying the Bible each day, and then show you little tips and tricks that I've learned over, you know, I've been reading the Bible now my, pretty much since I could read, but <clears throat> let's say over the last 25 years, what I've learned about uh, studying the scripture, it's going to open your eyes. I'm telling you, when, I, when I'm not saying that flippantly, we're calling it supercharging your devotions for a reason. By the time you get through this course, you'll be on a whole nother level of Bible Uh, study Bible reading, devotional reading, because it will show you how to pull all of the wealth uh, that you possibly can out of the passages you're studying. So I'm very excited about this. I want you to be a part of it. And we're reopening the course on the 17th. It's going to close on the 23rd. So you have what, six or seven days to get in on this and then you can't get in. So it's only $15 a month and uh, you get a video every single week. Plus you get access to a whole backlog of videos in our library that you can access at any given time. 
uh, as you're a part of the group. So uh, plus access to our private Facebook group where we're talking and answering questions, things like that. And so uh, I want to encourage you, go sign up. Don't miss this. It's going to be, I think it's going to be the most impactful thing we've done yet in Bible study made simple. So it's going to be great. All right, let's jump in today. I've got some things to get, get to you. And um, I'm very excited about this. So again, yesterday we covered prayer. And, um, and, and so now on day two, again, we're taking this whole week, Monday through Friday to deal with this subject, um, how that you can walk in total victory over discouragement, anxiety, and heaviness. Three things that the enemy uses so often. And I, I said it yesterday. Did you know that antidepressants have surpassed heart medication as the number one prescribed medication in America? Last time I checked, and it may be greater now, I wouldn't be surprised if it is, um, uh, it's one out of every four people in America are taking an antidepressant. One out of every four people. It may be uh, one out of every three now. It's growing because the, the numbers just keep getting larger. And Jesus said that this is one of the elements um, that will keep you from receiving the revelation of God's word. And so you have to be able to walk in victory over heaviness, depression, and uh, anxiety. Take him out, Tiff, if you will. Um, and so that's what we're covering. So yesterday we covered the power of prayer. Today, I'm going to jump into part two of this. And uh, these actually, if you want to know the truth about it, um, both of these yesterday and today actually go together. They pair. They're, they're like what I would call twins. They pair together to bring victory to you. They're, they're not really uh, separate. And if you look in the Bible, you'll see, I'll show you today. They're not separate. They operate and work together. So this is how it works. Um, I want you to go with me um, to first Psalm 22. Psalm 22. This is going to be our opening text for today. And if you don't have it uh, highlighted in your Bible, please do so and uh, mark it up because this is going to reveal something to you about the character and the nature of God that you must know. Vital. Psalm 22 and um, verse number three, the Bible says, yet, this is by, by the way, a Psalm of David. It says, yet you are holy. Speaking of God, you are holy and throned on the praises of of Israel. Another way to say it here in the footnote, dwelling in the praises of Israel. So get that. Not just enthroned upon, but dwelling in. In fact, the King James says, you inhabit the praises of Israel. So God literally dwells amidst or within the praises of Israel. Well, that's not just Old Testament. That's not just Old Testament. On top of the Old Testament Israel, Paul taught that we have now become Abraham's seed through Christ. So literally now we are a part of God's family because of what Jesus did. And so now it's not just limited to the Old Testament Jews, but now for every person in the new covenant, God inhabits the praises of his people. Glory to God. God lives in, dwells in, inhabits, 
is enthroned upon the praises of his people. So I want you to put it in the uh, comments today. Number two, the power of praise. And we're gonna, I'm going to show you some things today about the victory tribe that are going to help you immensely. This is our identity. This is who we are. And so I want you to understand the power of it. But um, we're talking about, number two, the power of praise. And I don't even think people recognize how powerful praise is or sometimes what praise truly is. What praise truly is. But remember this. Praise is not just listening to praise music. (laughs) Sad that you have to say that, but it's true. Praise is not just listening to praise music. You have to take action in praise. You have to take action. And thank you to everybody that's joining us today. Listen, take a minute and share this broadcast and let's get this thing broken in people's lives. Let's get this thing knocked out of people's minds and spirits so they can walk in victory. Help me do that. The more you share it, the more we get this word out, it'll help people. We need to walk in total victory in this area because the devil knows this. The devil knows that the joy of the Lord is our strength. He knows that. He's very aware. Why do you think he's fighting so hard to steal people's joy? Because he knows what joy does. It brings a strength to the body of Christ. No question. It brings a supernatural strength to the body of Christ. And so the devil knows that, and that's why he's going at, he can't steal your salvation. He can't steal your covenant. So what does he do? Tries to deceive you into walking in discouragement, anxiety, and heaviness. That's what he tries to do. And so God has given us a way out of this problem, giving us, giving us a solution to literally, it's not an emotion, it's an anointing. Glory to God. I'll say that again, and if you're taking notes or if you're writing it in the comments, even write it for those that'll watch later. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is an anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Let me say that again. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is an anointing. You say, why do you say that? Why do you say that? Because, and of course, I'm not talking about natural joy. Because you can have temporary happiness or joy in the natural realm. Everybody, even sinners can do that. But what has to happen for that to go, to go on? There has to be an environment or situation that would bring them joy, right? Has to be a happy time. Has to be a joyful whatever. That, you know, and then, because of circumstances, they feel happy or they feel joy for a temporary period of time. That's not what I'm talking about. The joy of the Lord is not based upon a couple things in your life that went right and you're, oh man, I'm happy about that. I got joy about that. No, 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 no. The joy of the Lord is based on the truth of his word and the power of his spirit. It's an anointing. And the reason I say that is because um, it, it says this in the book of Psalms, it's echoed in the book of Hebrews and it's speaking about Jesus. Hebrews chapter one, and I believe it's verse nine, the Bible says, because... You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. That's speaking of Jesus. Notice what happened. 
God anointed him with the oil, the anointing of gladness. So gladness, joy, it's an anointing in the kingdom of God. It's an anointing. It's a spirit of joy. Hallelujah. That's the Holy Ghost. So I want you to see this, Hebrews 1, 9. God has anointed you because you've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Thank you, Jesus. So isn't it encouraging to know you don't have to have, even in the midst of the devil attacking, you can have overwhelming joy. Woo! Why? Because joy is not temporary and it's not based on circumstance. It is an anointing of the Holy Ghost. Even in the midst of the devil attacking, you can laugh and laugh and laugh in the Holy Ghost because God is good and God's going to take care of you. God's watching over you. Hallelujah. You can laugh your way into miracles. Thank you, Jesus. You can laugh your way into miracles. Hallelujah. And so I want you to see this. There is this element of uh, praise that we're talking about today. It will bring you into overwhelming joy. The element of praise, it'll bring you into overwhelming joy. In Isaiah, maybe you've not seen this verse before. Let me show you something awesome. And uh, in the book of Isaiah, the Bible says, now this is speaking obviously of the Messiah because Jesus quotes this later in, uh, in the gospels. And then he's speaking of himself. And after he reads it, he puts the scroll of Isaiah down and looks at the people and says, today, the scripture that I just read has been fulfilled in your ears. And they got so angry, they were ready to kill him because he was saying that was written about me. <laughs> this is what he said. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Isaiah 61, one through three. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Verse three, now get this, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. You've heard that before, beauty for ashes. But look at this part, the oil of gladness. There it is again, that same anointing of gladness, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. And look at the last part, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, or the ESV says a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified or the Hebrew here that he may dis, that they may display his beauty. Glory to God that they may display his beauty. So notice what's happening here. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. So he said, the, the spirit of the Lord has, has come upon me so that I may give them. Whew. Man, that right there is a revelation to people. That's a revelation to people. What's one of the things that the Messiah was anointed and sent to do? Well, Isaiah tells us to give us the oil of gladness instead of mourning. The Messiah came, Christ came to give you the anointing of joy instead of mourning. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. You may have never seen that before, but today you're getting it in your spirit. One of the reasons, see people treat joy like it's some side thing. Treat it like, like, like it's just some little, no, 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 no. This is one of the reasons, according to Isaiah, that the Messiah came to give us the anointing of joy instead of mourning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then look at this, to give unto them the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we've been anointed by Christ. How did he anoint us? Here's the question. Uh, Elizabeth, I'm in Isaiah 61, verse 3 is where I'm, what I'm talking about here. Say, how did he anoint us? By giving us the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. By giving us the Holy Ghost. That's the anointing. The Holy Spirit of God comes upon us and that anointing dwells within us. You know, it happened to Jesus too. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? With the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil for the Lord was with him. That's what God did for Jesus. Same thing. Anointed him with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the anointing. And every believer has the Holy Ghost living in them because he's the one who seals our salvation. And we are all the temple of the Holy Ghost. So don't ever wonder again, am I anointed? You're anointed. If you're a child of God, you're anointed. If you're a child of God, you're anointed. And what does that anointing do? Well, one of the things it does, the main thing, according to Jesus, is it empowers you. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But then what? What did, the, what did Isaiah say about the Messiah? He said the Messiah is coming for what purpose? To give those who mourn the oil or the anointing of gladness <laughs> instead of mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So there it is. You can see it now. The garment of praise for, or another way to say that, right? The garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise instead of, it's an exchange. It's an exchange. You know, when I was, uh, when I wrote my very first book, Praise, Laugh, Repeat. Praise, Laugh, Repeat. Uh, one of the things the Lord showed me is that it's a great exchange, right? You take off heaviness and you put on praise. You take off heaviness and you put on praise. And it's funny how the Lord will show you things sometimes. The Lord made me remember uh, that, that show when I was a kid, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I'm talking about Fred Rogers. And he'd come into that house where they shot the program in Pittsburgh and uh, he'd sing that song. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And what was he doing while he was singing the song in the intro? Remember, he comes in and he's in like a sport coat and dress shoes and, you know, he's got a tie on and everything. What's the first thing he does? Goes to that closet in the house, opens it, takes off his sport coat and hangs it up and puts on that sweater or zip up or cardigan or whatever he had uh, instead in the, in, the, um, in the closet. And then he'd take off his dress shoes and he'd put on his boat shoes or his running shoes. Uh, he was getting comfortable to be with the kids, right? So notice, and the Lord spoke to me, he said, notice this, that he didn't put his sweater, sweater or his zip up or his cardigan over his sport coat. Notice he took one off to put the other on. 
And that's what's going on here is that you take off that spirit of heaviness and you put on a garment of praise. Hallelujah. You take off a spirit of heaviness and you put on a garment of praise. That's what we're doing. He's given us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Thank you, Jesus. Instead of. And then I saw there was a connection. And I'm going to share that connection with you today. Saw that connection. What's the connection? Well, what takes place? Uh, I'll take Isaiah 61 first. God gives us the ability to put on a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Well, how does that function? Well, when you begin to praise God, when you, be, you choose, I'm going to start praising him with everything I got. You start praising God, what happens? Well, according to what I read to you at the beginning, Psalm 22, then God inhabits, dwells in, abides in the praises of his people. So when you begin praising, God begins inhabiting. He gets involved with, inhabits, is enthroned upon our praises. So when you praise, he comes and it, what does it do? It draws us into his presence. It draws us into the presence of God. But then what takes place? Well, watch this. This is why, this is why it works. 1611, Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, get this, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Thank you, Jesus. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So there's the, there's the revelation. You see that? You put on a garment of praise, and when you start praising, it puts you in the middle of God's presence. Hallelujah. It's like Bishop Oyedepo says this. He says, praise is the cheapest access into God's presence. Gina says in the comments, this message set me free two years ago. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank God that Gina, Gina was set free by this anointing of this word. The word of God sets the captive free. Notice that as we praise, it pulls us into God's presence. And then in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. Not a little bit of joy. Fullness of joy. I ask this question. People get mad at me when I ask it. But I'm going to ask it anyway. Can you be in fullness of joy and fullness of depression at the same time? The answer is no. Can you be in the fullness of joy and fullness of anxiety at the same time? No. Can you be in fullness of joy and fullness of discouragement at the same time? No. Because if it's fullness, it has to fill everything, right? Has to fill everything. If I take a cup or a mug and I fill it to the very brim with water, then there's no room left in this mug for coffee. I can't fit any coffee in here. Why? Because it's been filled with the fullness of water. The fullness of water. So as a result, what's the same? You are a vessel. You are a vessel. And when you get into the presence of God, this vessel is full, filled to the brim with what? The fullness of joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. <clears throat> 
No. No. And so the power of this is when you get into the presence of God and feel that fullness of joy, remember this, it ejects, it evicts everything else that tries to get on you. Why? Here's why. Let me, let me tell you why these things have to fall off of you like they did for Gina, like they've done for many others. Here's why. Because the Bible tells us, Paul writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, what does he say? Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. There's the key. That's why when we get into his presence, there's fullness of joy. See, because the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, here's the part where people get mixed up in their mind. They say, well, isn't he everywhere? I thought he was omnipresent. Isn't God everywhere? Of course he's everywhere. Of course he's omnipresent. Of course he's in you. Just because you're not walking right in this moment, if you're not walking in the fullness of joy, maybe you're going through an attack, maybe you're experiencing discouragement, anxiety, whatever, heaviness, that doesn't mean that the Holy Ghost left you. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean that the, you're not the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's not what it means at all. It means that you need to engage his presence. Think about this. You need to engage his presence. Let me say that again. It means we need to engage his presence. I'll give you an analogy that'll help you. Have you ever been with someone before and you were trying to spend time with them? Maybe you were trying to speak with them, but the whole time they were around you, they were just kind of buried in their phone, basically like I was doing to you at the beginning of this broadcast. <laughs> you came to spend time with me and I was just texting other people. Have you ever, have you ever been in that situation before? And I'm sorry, I have to now publicly repent uh, because I'm using it as a negative analogy. So you've been around people that you tried to spend time with them, but they were just buried in their phone and they were just texting, playing a game, looking at social media, doing whatever. Okay. Yes. They are there in body, right? Their, their presence is there. But you don't, you're not able to engage their presence. And I, I guess a better way to say it would be, they don't get to benefit from your presence. Because I'm sure you're there. You have interesting things to say. You want to hang out with them. We use the Christian word. You want to fellowship with them. You know, whatever it might be. And they don't get to benefit from your presence. Why don't they get to benefit from your presence? Because they're not engaging your presence. Ooh, this will help somebody. You're there, but they don't get to benefit from your presence because they're not engaging your presence. Ooh, you're sitting right next to them and they can't even benefit from your presence because they won't engage your presence. So now watch this. It's not that the Holy Ghost isn't there. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always even under the end of the age or the end of the world. So listen, <clears throat> the Holy Ghost is there. You're a temple of the Holy Ghost. But here's the real question. When was the last time you truly engaged his presence? You have to acknowledge his presence. And watch, praise is the quickest way to do that. Quickest way. 
Because the moment you begin praising, he begins inhabiting, dwelling in, being enthroned upon your praises. As Bishop Oyedepo said once again, praise is the cheapest access into the presence of God. His presence is there, but are we engaging his presence? Because when we do, get this, when we do, the spirit of the Lord brings freedom. Thank you, Jesus. The spirit of the Lord brings freedom. I feel the anointing on this broadcast today. I'm feeling it all over me right now. The power of God's hitting me. I know it's hitting you. You're getting ready to go to another level. You're getting ready to go to another level. We're walking in total victory over discouragement, anxiety, and heaviness. You're being, you're receiving this week the gift of faith to walk in that kind of victory. Let me show you this in the New Testament. There's a picture of this happening for real in actuality to someone in the New Testament. <clears throat> and I want you to see it. It's found in Mark chapter 10. Turn there if you have your Bible, if you've got your phone. Uh, and get this in your spirit. I'm going to, I believe, my, my personal opinion, I believe Mark chapter 10, this story I'm getting ready to read to you, is the New Testament picture or fulfillment of Psalm 22. God inhabits the praises of his people. I believe it. So just because the Lord is there doesn't mean you're engaging his presence. Man. Let me read you this story real quick. <clears throat> Just a few verses, starting in verse 46, Mark 10, 46 through 52. Let's see this work in action. And they came to Jericho, that's Jesus and his disciples. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho, quickest trip in history, they came to Jericho and they were leaving Jericho. As he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. So don't, don't pass over that. He's leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. They're all leaving with him or they're going around and saying, there's Jesus. And the Bible says, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, now, how did he hear that? Because other people were saying it. He didn't see him. He was blind. So how did he know? Because he heard other people saying it. Here comes Jesus of Nazareth. Here comes Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is leaving. And he heard it. So when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, did you ever pick this up? The Bible says he began to cry out. Not Jesus of Nazareth. He flipped it. What did this man say? He said, Jesus. Son of David, that's a whole different identity right there. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus of Nazareth was his natural name, his earthly name. Oh yeah, people always argue, oh we know who he was. We know who his mom was, but who was his dad? You know, we know Joseph wasn't really his father, so who, who was his real dad? You know, trying to even doubt his legitimacy. The Bible says that... <clears throat> Even in his own hometown, four chapters before this, they wouldn't receive him. They wouldn't receive him at all. And so <clears throat> Bartimaeus did not engage Jesus the carpenter. What did he do? He engaged Jesus the Messiah. Now notice, although Jesus has all these people around him and he's leaving the city, we don't see in this story that he did one miracle for any of those people. And I'm sure many of them needed miracles. 
I'm sure many of them needed a touch from God. But guess what? Jesus didn't do one miracle for any of these people. So what, what happened? What took place? He kept on leaving until Bartimaeus cried out and accessed the personality of the Messiah, Jesus, son of David. Did you know that just by Bartimaeus saying that he was praising Jesus? You know what he was saying? I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the anointed one. Now notice what happened to this. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Glory to God. That's verse 49. And Jesus stopped. He kept on moving, though everybody else was saying Jesus of Nazareth. He kept on moving, though everybody else probably that was surrounding him, there were many that needed miracles, but he kept on moving. And then one man started to praise him. And when one man praised him, the Bible says, and Jesus stopped. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Praise stops Jesus. And then what did Jesus say? He said, call him, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you and throwing off his cloak. Oh, that's a move of faith right there. That's a move of faith. He sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said, <clears throat> What do you want me to do for you? Isn't that interesting? How his praise pulled him right into Jesus' presence. Just like the Old Testament said. God inhabits the praises. Jesus couldn't pass by him. Jesus couldn't leave him alone. He had to get him into his presence because he was praising. And then notice, he said, what do you want me to do? It was like a blank check from heaven for this man because of his praise, because of his faith. <clears throat> He said, let me receive my sight. And he said to him, go your way. Your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I want you to hear this now. <clears throat> immediately. He said, you're what? Your faith. Your faith. So let me show you something. The way he was praising Jesus was a sign of his faith. Put it in the comments, put it in your notes, put it in your Bible in Mark chapter 10. Praise is an outward sign of faith. Write that down. Praise is an outward sign of faith. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise is an outward sign of faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And yes, it is. And so I want you to see praise is not praise and prayer. And yesterday we taught on prayer. Praise and prayer go together. Praise and prayer go together. You can see it throughout scripture. Praise and prayer go together. This is why uh, Bishop David Oyedepo said one time, Prayer is powerful, but he said prayer can never equal the power of praise. Why is that? He said, because God only answers our prayers, but he lives in our praise. Hallelujah. 
God only answers our prayers, but he lives in our praise. So praise provokes God to begin to move on your behalf, just like it did for this man. Praise provokes God to move on your behalf. It's a sign of faith. It's an expression of faith. And <clears throat> I think the greatest way to, to break these two things down and show you is that if you go to the book of Acts, you'll see two stories of uh, God's people being thrown into prison. The first is Peter, who is jailed because he's a Christian. They had just executed another Christian, and when they saw how that pleased the Jews, they put Peter in prison, probably preparing to execute him the next day. What did the church do? They gathered in a house, and they started to what? Pray. They started to pray. And the Bible says their, their prayer did something. It provoked God to send an angel, right? It provoked God to send an angel down. And the Bible says the angel shows up in the prison, strikes Peter on the side, woke him saying, get up quickly. This is Acts 12. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said, dress yourself, put on your sandals. And as they walked out, every door opened up for Peter and the angel. So notice this, they prayed, they prayed and God sent an angel. <clears throat> but I want you to look with me at Acts 16 because in Acts 16, Paul and Silas are prisoned, they're jailed, but they added something to their prayer. They added praise. Thank you, Jesus. And the Bible says in about midnight, Paul, this is Acts 16, 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God. They were praying and singing praises to God. Whew. Praying and singing praises. They put them together. Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. And notice what happened for them. God didn't send an angel. No. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately, not theirs, all of the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Hallelujah. You know why the difference? Because the church prayed and that caused God to send an angel. But Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises and that caused God to show up himself. Hallelujah. And when God showed up himself, the whole jail shook and every door came open and every chain fell off. Why? Because the Lord is a spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <laughs> and it wasn't just freedom for them. It was freedom for everybody in that prison. Every door came open. Every chain fell off. Whoo, glory to God. I said, glory to God. They prayed and they sang praises. They prayed and they sang praises and it shook the place. It shook the place. <clears throat> Why is that? Because prayer and praise together will always bring us into a place of supernatural freedom. Supernatural freedom. Hear what I'm saying. If you're in that uh, position where the devil is lying to you, trying to discourage you, trying to 
uh, bring anxiety upon you, trying to bring heaviness upon you. Why don't you just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and then start praising God? I don't care if you got to get out of your bed and start dancing by yourself in your room. If you need some assistance, throw some, go on YouTube, throw some praise music on. That's why we play these praise breaks and these songs before the broadcast starts. We're getting that, getting that in your spirit. Getting that in your spirit. Sometimes we'll play Brother Hagin, Holy Ghost Laughter, Holy Ghost Move. Sometimes we'll play praise breaks. Why are we doing that? We don't need, I, I already know what I'm speaking. I don't need more time to study. I'm just getting you in a place where you recognize God's getting ready to move in my life. God is getting ready to move in my life. And you got to move past the flesh. See, that's what people don't realize. The flesh fights against the spirit. If you didn't know that, the Bible says it in Galatians 5 and verse 17. The flesh is at war with the spirit. You you don't feel like praising God. People don't feel like lifting their hands. People don't feel like getting up and going to church and singing and praising and dancing and shouting. Your body doesn't feel like doing those things. Doesn't feel like doing those things. But you say, you know what, body, you're going to do what I tell you to do because I am not controlled by my flesh. I'm controlled by my spirit and the Holy Spirit who I'm united with. And I don't care if my body feels like doing it or not. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. And my body will submit and do what I tell it to do because it doesn't control me. I control it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't control me. I control it. That's what Paul said. First Corinthians 9, 27. I put my body under on a daily basis, making it do what it should. You got to make your body do what it should. You got to make your body do what it should. And when you do watch this now, when you do that praise, yes, that's right. Mike Frost, it was Smith Wigglesworth that even up into his eighties, he would get out of bed every morning and dance before the Lord for 10 minutes straight and begin to thank God for giving him another day to serve him and giving him another day to uh, do the work of the ministry. Acts 12 was the story of Peter in jail, Penny, and how the church prayed and God sent an angel. But Acts 16 was Paul and Silas praying and singing praises and God showed up and shook the jail. So notice this, this is so powerful that praise your spirit wants to do it. Your body doesn't feel like doing it. Doesn't matter. Make your body do what it should do. And you tell it, I don't care if you feel like praising God. Sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise. You know what that means? You're doing something you don't feel like doing. Amen. Amen. And praise is a weapon and praise is something God gave us to drive out that spirit of heaviness. And so when you praise and you pray, let me, uh, let me take you to one more today. So powerful, man, I know you can feel the anointing on this, but I want you to see it with me in second Chronicles chapter 20, second Chronicles chapter 20, very interesting story here. You talk about being afraid. You talk about being afraid. Here's a story where three nations, three enemy armies unite together to fight against God's people to kill them. You talk about being afraid. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20, let me start reading with verse 1. After this, 
the armies of Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Mayanites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. Verse 3, Jehoshaphat was terrified. There it is. Spirit of fear hit him. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all over the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Notice this. Verse 5. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed. So there's one. He prayed. O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Now that right there is praise. If you'll notice something, he started his prayer with praise. He started his prayer with praise. He started his prayer with praise. Verse 7. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? Did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. And they said, whenever we faced, we're faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you'll hear us and you'll rescue us. Still praising, still praising. Talking about God's goodness and his steadfast love and his mercy and his faithfulness. Now, then he starts to pray. Here's the prayer, verse 10. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they've come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh God, won't you stop them? We're powerless against this mighty army. So notice, in the natural, the enemy's trying to make them feel hopeless. There's people that battle that. Hopelessness. Hopelessness. They feel like there's no way out. That's how they were feeling in the natural. Lord, three armies are uniting against us to throw us out, to kill us. Will you not do something? We are powerless. We're powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord, hallelujah, came upon one of the men standing there. His name, his name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Get this, as they prayed, as they praised God, what did it do? It provoked a prophetic word from the Lord. Say, what do, you, what do I do, uh, Pastor Ted, when I don't know what to do or when I don't know what I should be doing in life, when I don't know what to do, when I feel hopeless? Let me tell you what you should do. Pray and praise God. Pray and praise God. It feels hopeless. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move forward. Pray and praise God. Pray and praise God. Pray and praise God. Pray and praise God. Pray 
and praise God. Amen. And look what happened. It provoked a prophetic word from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Put it in the comments. It's not my battle. It's God's. Please write that down. It's not my battle. It's God's. It's not my battle. It's God's. It's not my battle. It's God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You'll find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. Now look at verse 17. But you will not even need to fight. <laughs> you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of what? Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. 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 Hmm. The Lord is with you. Now I want to show you this. Verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed, not warriors, singers, singers, to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love, look at this, and at the very moment, verse 22 now, 2 Chronicles 20, 22, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab, Ammon, and turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. Killed every one of them. And the Bible says, after they destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. Now look at verse 24. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy escaped. Did they have to swing swords? No. Did they throw spears? No. Did they loose arrows from their bows? No. The Lord fought their battle for them. What did they do? They prayed and sang praises unto God. Same as Paul and Silas. The Bible says, verse 25, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. Think about that. We're talking not about a few people, talking about an army of men. An army of men. It took them three days to gather up the plunder of their enemy armies. And they didn't swing one sword because the battle's not their battle. The battle is the Lord's battle. He said, all I want you to do is go out 
and praise. Now, here's where I'm going to re- reveal to you part of the identity of who you are. Notice who, who this is. This is the army of Judah. Welcome for the first time from India. Welcome to the broadcast. Notice, who did they, who was this? This was the armies of Judah, of Judah, of Judah. I'll show you something. People don't know this, but if you look at who Judah is, Judah, born in the Old Testament, book of Genesis, um, this was Jacob's son, Judah, his mother, conceived um, and bore this son Judah. This is Genesis 29, 35. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Judah. In fact, if you say it in the, the, the old Hebrew, it's Yehuda. Yehuda. And that word Yehuda, which we say Judah, it is an extension of the Hebrew root word Yada, which you know what that means? Praise. And that's why she said, this time, I, now that I'm having a son, this time I will praise the Lord. This time I will praise the Lord. So I'm going to call his name Yehuda. And literally this, this word for praise, this is so powerful, it means the extending of the hands. The extending of the hands in reverent worship and praise. The extending of the hands. It's like when you would point to the the magnificent greatness of something. It's like one writer said, it'd be like if you were at the Grand Canyon and threw your arms out and said, look at this. Look at this. Look how magnificent this is. Pointing. Look look how powerful. Look at me. That's exactly what this is. The praising, the extending of the hands in reverent worship and reverent awe of God. Hallelujah. Notice how they extended their hands in this story, not with weapons, but with instruments, with singing and with praise. The tribe of Judah, the tribe of Judah in Judges chapter 20, when they're at war again, do you know what they asked? They said, who shall go first? Here it is. We are the victory tribe. Who shall go first? And the Lord answered and said, Judah shall go first. We are the tribe of praise. Get this in your spirit. We are the tribe of praise. Look at our lineage. What, was, what tribe did David come from? David came from the tribe of Judah. Look at our lineage. Who was Jesus? The son of David. What tribe did Jesus come from? The tribe of Judah. That's why it freaked people out. What do you mean? What do you mean Jesus is our high priest? No, he can't be a high priest. The priests come from the tribe of Levi. The priests come from the tribe of Levi. Jesus can't be a priest. Oh, yes. And if you read the book of Hebrews, that's why the Bible teaches that the priesthood had to change. The priesthood had to change. Because no longer was God pulling a priest from the tribe of Levi. He was pulling his high priest from the tribe of Judah. And now the priesthood has changed. And do you know what's so powerful about that? Every person that is in the body of Christ is in the tribe of Judah. Because we came from Jesus. 
and we are part of his body. If he is in the tribe of Judah, every one of us are in the tribe of Judah. Every one of us are now in the tribe of Judah. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter five and verse five. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Why? Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, glory to God, the root of David, he has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Thank you, Jesus. Talking about Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered. Hallelujah. The root of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered and he's worthy to open up the scrolls. I'm telling you right now, there's no way that you can be a part of the body of Christ and not be from the tribe of Judah. That's why that in the New Testament, the Bible says, Peter wrote this, that we are all a kingdom of priests. We are all a kingdom of priests unto God. We are all from the line of Judah. We are all those praising people. Who are the ones now that Jesus sends first? Tribe of Judah. We are the tribe of praise. We are the tribe of victory. We are the tribe of the anointing. Hallelujah. When you hear me, some of you may be relatively new to the group and you hear me say that on the broadcast all the time. The victory tribe. Or I'll say, it's good to see the victory tribe today. I'm talking about the victory tribe. You say, what is he talking about the victory tribe? I'm talking about the fact that you come from the tribe of Judah because you come through Jesus Christ, you are part of the victory tribe, the tribe of praise, the tribe that conquered, the tribe that is connected to Jesus who is the anointed one, the son of God. That's why I'm pointing this out today. The second and powerful way to stand free, totally free from every attack of the devil, from heaviness, depression, discouragement, uh, anxiety, is by praising God with everything you've got. Praising God with everything you've got. Don't just pray, praise. Don't just pray, praise, hallelujah. Don't just pray, praise. And I'll tell you, when we praise, strongholds have to break. Did you know healing comes through praise? Did you know deliverance comes through praise? Did you know blessing comes through praise? Did you know uh, addictions are broken in the midst of praise? I've shared with you story after story of people that have been changed just while praising God. I personally have been healed. Probably one of the worst manifestations of attack against my body in the history of my life hit me on an Easter Sunday morning years ago. One of the worst ever. I'd never, and to this day, I've never again felt anything like this. I had never up to that point felt anything like that. The devil attacked every part of my body. I was incapacitated in my bed, woke up Easter Sunday morning and I was a praise and worship uh, leader, a music director. And I mean, every part of my body was hit with pain. I had pain from top of my head to the bottom, aches, pains throughout my whole body. On top of that, my stomach was messed up. On top of that, nausea. On top of that, couldn't see anything. I'd open my eyes just with a squint and I could only see white dots jumping around everywhere, just white dots. My head was splitting with pain. I, every time I'd even move, I'd feel pain in my body. Couldn't hardly move. And I made up my mind in that bed on a Sunday morning. I've already preached this. I've already talked about this. I've already encouraged people with this. 
I'm not staying in this bed on the day Jesus was raised from the dead. I'm not staying in this bed. I'm not calling in sick. That's not who I am. I was the victory tribe before there was a victory tribe to talk to. And I said, I'm getting out of this bed. Julie remembers because Julie's on YouTube. Uh, she, she was uh, part of the choir back then as I was leading the choir. And, uh, and her, her husband was helping run sound. And I'm telling you, that thing attacked my body that morning. I said, I'm not having it. I got out of bed, swung those legs out, could barely move. Drugged myself to the shower, cleaned up, got my suit on, got, got ready for church, got in the car, could barely get over there. And when I came in, the band was already practicing. It was loud because we're Pentecostal. It was loud. And I'm walking in and I had to get up there. I got up to the stage and I just told everybody, and this is probably what she remembers. I told everybody in the choir and the band, I said, I'm putting a bucket right next to the keyboard. I said, if you see me bend down and I'm, if I'm getting sick, you just keep on praising. I said, if I run out of this room and out the side door of the sanctuary, you just keep on praising. Keep on praising God till I come back. But I am not staying home and I'm not uh, sitting down letting somebody else do it. And I mean, we practiced and I mean, my head split through the whole practice. And it was time to start the service on Easter Sunday. And I stood up and Brad clicked off that first song that we were going to do. And we started singing and we started playing and we started praising. And as we're doing that, man, I'm like looking out and one by one, the symptoms the devil attacked me with started to drop off my body one by one and first and the nausea left me my stomach stopped being messed up and then all of a sudden my pain that was all through my body it just the achiness through every joint it left right, right out of me and the splitting that was in my head that I could barely take it left dropped right off me and that issue where I couldn't hardly see I mean I was starting the service looking out over the crowd in a squint and just seeing white dots everywhere and I said, I know I'm not healed yet because our church was about 60% African-American. So I said, I'm not healed yet. But I'm looking out and I'm telling you, then as I was praising and singing and shouting, that last thing, the vision, the vision, the issues with the vision left. And every symptom that the devil attacked me with dropped off of me in the, before the first song even came to an end. Julie said, I could see it physically leaving your body. She could see me standing up in strength, standing up in the anointing of God because we praise our way through. That's what we do. We praise our way through. We praise our way through. And that's why I'm, I'm not going to preach this stuff and not live it. But can I tell you, you can gain a victory over things that no longer will they have authority over your life and your body. No longer can they have authority over your future and your family. And I praised my way through. I'd never felt anything like that come on me before. But can I tell you, since I gained the victory over that through praise and through prayer, it has never come upon me again. Glory to God. And it's been now probably close to 20 years and it's never come upon me again, never attacked me again. You can gain the victory and walk in that kind of victory for the rest of your life. What are we talking about today? Total victory over discouragement, anxiety, heaviness, everything that attacks your life, you can gain the victory. Begin to pray, begin to praise God. I'm taking this whole week to teach on how we as the Victory Tribe can walk in total victory. You're not called to go from victory to defeat. You're called to go from victory to victory. You're not called to go from faith to doubt, but faith unto faith. You're called to go from grace unto grace, from victory unto victory. That's your story. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. That's your story. And today, Lord, I pray for every person that's watching me. I pray for all those that the devil lied to them and tried to tell them that they weren't going to make it, that they weren't going to get through this attack, that they're not, they're not going to uh, uh, pass over, as Jesus said, to the other side safely. I take authority over every attack of the devil that was launched against you and your precious family. And I rebuke it today in the name that's above every name, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask you to send that uh, supernatural peace to them now, joy to them now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let it flood them. Lord, if they've been attacked in their physical body, let healing virtue flood through their body today. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you. We declare it. We are those who have constant victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord, through the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you and we give you praise. Amen. Let me tell you this testimony came in from Sunday. Listen to this. Uh, one of our guys that was working at the church uh, on Easter Sunday, just a few days ago, he was helping us do sound in the service. And we had our communion service as well on Sunday. Listen to this testimony. He said, hello, Pastor Ted. Just wanted to testify. This morning was amazing. Two days ago, I pulled a muscle in my neck, making it unbearable to function. I was up every hour last night because of how uncomfortable that pain was, uh, how that pain left me. And after communion this morning, I felt God's power run through my body and heal my body. Now I have no more pain. So literally starting the service in pain, incapacitated even his ability to move, but by the power of the Holy Ghost, even as we begin to praise God, talk about what Jesus did on the cross, how his blood that was shed, his body that was broken, won the victory for us. And we are thanking him, doing this in remembrance of him. Even as we were doing that, healing hit his body by the power of the Holy Ghost. All pain had to go in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, the best days are ahead. Spirit of faith, the gift of faith is hitting you this week and you'll never be the same. You will never be the same again in Jesus' mighty name. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.